The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, let's say good morning to Bob Reed, principal at BroadwayStrategy.com, the guy behind Touchdowns and Fumbles, which is heard on the Jerry Agar Show on Fridays. Tamara Cherry is with Pickup Communications, also author of the book Trauma Beat, a case for rethinking the business of bad news. And we had a great conversation about that, which you can uh, taste it again for the first time because we're going to run it on Labor Day morning. And right yeah, Deepika Demerla is is a Mississauga City Councilor. So good to have you all. Let's start sinking our teeth into it. And actually, I'm going to start with Dipika on insurance rates because they're especially high in Mississauga and Brampton. But now insurance companies are tacking on a premium if your car or model is at a higher risk of being stolen. And Dipika, it can be as much as $500 a year. Yeah, you know, that it, it is punitive, no question about it. And, um, you know, the root cause, of course, is can we stop uh, these auto thefts? And it just boggles my mind. Why is Ontario such a target? And uh, but just coming back to the insurance, you know, I've been thinking about it, John. And, you know, the alternative would be to spread it across everybody. And so, you know, if you did that, then there would be others who would say, well, is that fair to me? And then how far do you spread it? Just Ontario or does someone in Newfoundland pay for a car that's stolen in Mississauga? So no right answers. But I do keep coming back. I know I said this to you before as well, and I know it's not always possible. But I'm just going to ask anyone who's listening to this and as a resident of Mississauga, many of us, 60% of us live in subdivisions with garages please please clear the garage out and park at least your most expensive car or if it's in that top 10 in the garage i think that's a simple fix (laughs) and that's what i had to say tamara cherry um you know one of the abiding issues here would be that you do have to calculate the probability that somebody is going to be in you know filing for insured losses ergo if somebody owns a car that is likely to be stolen then it is arguable it's not unfair to charge them more yeah i get that i don't like the idea of somebody owning a car for x number of years and then suddenly being hit with an extra 500 dollars a year in their premiums because it's on this list um i would love for uh car owners to be demanding from manufacturers that they do more to make it so that these cars cannot be stolen so seemingly so easily not that i've ever tried to steal a car but when you watch the video on pat foreign's story about this um you, you see surveillance video of, of some some people jacking a, a Lexus from somebody's driveway. And it's like, it's like a matter of moments and so fast. Um, so I would love to see manufacturers playing a bigger role, but I don't like the idea of people's premiums going up when they've already been with a company, considering how hard it is to get a replacement vehicle these days. Well, and Bob, final word on this one. Um, something that I do find comforting, I guess, is that police are making this an urgent priority, putting an end to these car theft rings. So at the very least, we may be near the end of it. Well, I don't know if we're near the end of it, but it's good to see somebody's, you know, taking it seriously. The police are taking it seriously and they're putting a priority on it because it is a huge problem. And what's, what's, uh, what's surprising to me about the list is because you hear the headline that, you know, uh, the, the, 
the the most likely cars to be stolen are facing higher premiums. You know, I'm thinking Lamborghini and stuff like that. But no, the Honda CRV is the top of the list. The Honda Civic is in the top 10. The uh, Toyota RAV4. I mean, these aren't luxury vehicles. These are quite commonplace. And I think that's what is, is really surprising to a lot of people. Like, wait a minute, they're after my car? It's nothing special. Well, apparently it is. Yeah, well, we always come back to Tim Hudak. He was on round one. He had his uh, Lexus stolen, went out, got another Lexus, and that one got stolen too. (laughs) Okay, so Ontario banning online gambling commercials that feature athletes and celebrities. Tamara Cherry, um, you know, opposition and motions are often concern trolling, but I like this one. Yeah, I, I don't actually have uh, a problem with this at all. Um, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands uh, banning all of these ads altogether. Australia is in the process of phasing them out as well. I think we should get rid of these ads altogether, quite frankly. If people want to do online gambling, they'll know where to find it. They can Google around. But I think about how susceptible, especially young people are to getting into this when they're not old enough to walk into a casino and gamble in person. Um, I, I know people that got into this pretty deeply uh, as as young uh, as teenagers and as as young adults. And um, it's something that is not good for your brain and can lead to uh, really bad problems with addiction, mental health. So I, I agree that we shouldn't have people's childhood heroes preaching to them about how wonderful online gambling is. Yeah, well, you know, I just don't like gambling altogether, Dipika. It's an established track record I have ever since I started doing radio in Toronto. I hate gambling from top to bottom. Agree with you, and I agree with Tamara wholeheartedly. You know, why are we just stopping, or, or what this proposal is to, with celebrities and, uh, I guess, um, sports heroes, and it should be just across the board don't advertise. We don't advertise alcohol. We don't advertise cigarettes. There's absolutely no need to advertise gambling of any kind online or otherwise. So yeah, that's why not. I mentioned concern trolling, which is where you create worry where it may not be warranted. And some people are accusing Global Affairs Canada of concern trolling in warning gay Canadians about traveling to the United States. Bob, I find the sort of spasm, political and social spasm they're having in the States, very worrisome and upsetting, but I don't know that it necessarily poses a danger. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And and I, I went to Global Affairs Canada's website to see, you know, how is this being played on there specifically? And you kind of got to hunt for it. It's it's sort of a line item in there. And it says, you know, some some states in the U.S. have uh, have passed laws that uh, uh, that, that, you know, uh, are are are. Uh, poten- you know, potentially of concern. Like it's, 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 it's not like the advisory that they have for very specific areas of Mexico, where you know there's a there's a grave danger of physical harm and things like that. So, it's it, it it's a it's a mild warning. It's uh, I, I think it's sad that you know uh, that that the United States. Uh, so some some states have have passed laws that are 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 worthy of mention in this context but i i'm with you this isn't a giant red alert oh my god don't go here or you might be in grave danger kind of situation yeah tamara cherry bob mentioned mexico i stopped going to mexico when a few too many heads turned up in duffel bags um but the yeah. u.s i may pick and choose where i go and where i spend my money but i still go to the u.s 
I don't have any problem with Global Affairs putting this online. Um, according to the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, there have been legislators across the U.S. that have introduced nearly 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills this year alone. Um, we've seen human rights groups in the past in the United States putting up their own travel advisories for people going to Florida, noting that the state had passed bills that included, you know, things like limiting the discussion of gender and sexual orientation in classrooms, that sort of thing. Um, and a, a Washington Post analysis, I was reading a story because I, I thought it was really interesting to see the, the coverage of this by U.S. media. Um, but Washington Post found that uh, as of uh, four months into this year's state legislative sessions, more bills targeting LGBTQ rights with an emphasis on transgender rights had become law than at any time in U.S. history, any other time in U.S. history. So what is going on down there is very concerning, and particularly because it's it's many of those ideologies are making their way up to Canada. They did an experiment in Vancouver where they chose 50 homeless people and they gave them each $7,500. And Dipika, I'll start with you on this one as a city councillor kind of informs the story. Uh, what they yeah. discovered was they were very practical in what they spent the money on. Yeah, and you know, it, it was such a heartwarming story really to read about that because certainly there is that stereotype, right, that if you give the money, it'll be not used wisely. And so uh, I love that story. But you know, what I found interesting, John, was an identical study was actually conducted in 2018, like five years ago, exactly the same $7,500 given to 50 homeless people. And then there was a control group where they weren't given the money. Same outcomes. And this was conducted by the Foundations for Social Change, also in BC. So it's kind of curious to see that experiment repeated five years later. But uh, I think some good takeaways in terms of uh, potential solutions. And Tamara, I already have very little patience for people who drop a loony or a toonie in somebody's cup and then scold them about how they should spend it. Oh, yeah, no kidding, right? Um, I I thought that, I mean, this was an interesting study. Listen, this study wasn't aimed at changing policies around whether we should be giving all homeless people $7,500 each. I think that the aim of the study was really to break down some of those stereotypes about how people are going to use those, use that money. Something I, I found really interesting is that, you know, they wanted to point out that um, most people are, you know, they're, people who are unhoused, many times have more in common with us than than we would really uh, otherwise expect. And they've they've come on hard times for whatever reason. There's a housing crisis in Vancouver where where this study took place. Um, there's all these different factors that lead to somebody living on the streets. And we need to break down the stereotypes that keep us from keep many, many of us from wanting to to, you know, lend a helping hand and and see what we can do more for them. It's about meeting people where they are, figuring out what they need to get to a better place. That's what harm reduction is all about. Bob Reed, your thoughts? I agree with my fellow panelists. It's uh, it's it's, <laughs> it's an interesting study. It is important that that stereotypes do get broken down, uh, and they say they they want to do more research in this area, and and I think that's important. It's worth noting though that the study did not include people who are I'm quoting here street entrenched or who have serious addictions or mental health issues, and they say that's because 
those people don't make up the majority of homeless people. So I think it's good that that segment was was not included in this, but uh, it's it's worth noting at the same time. Okay, not a lot of time left on the clock, but Tamara, I want to turn to you on this story of a Quebec boy, I think he's 12 years old, who was actually tried and then acquitted of teasing his sister. And you've spent some time in family court. This just smells from top to bottom. It, well, it just, how did it even, how did it get to this point that this boy is on trial, that, that this little girl had to testify in court? In her ruling, the judge actually noted that the girl had reported her stepbrother's teasing to authorities at the request of her mother, and that, that there was a conflictual relationship between that girl's mother and the boy's mother who is married to the girl's father. So... I guess the judge was suggesting that it was adults getting involved in this, but it's it's a shame that it got to this point. Yeah, 12-year-old being tried for Pete's sake. Thank you all. Good to have you. That's Tamara Cherry, Bob Reed, and Dipika DeMerla. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.